This is 21st Century Women podcast, where we hear from fabulous women doing interesting things, where the goal is to celebrate their unique story while getting a dose of inspiration ourselves. I'm your host, Jenna Watts, and you're listening to episode number 97 with Sky Tipler Rosenberg, director and founder of MKT Communications and director and co-founder of Ministry of Work. Welcome, Sky, to 21st Century Women. Thanks and thank you for having me. Why did you start MKT Communications all the way back in 2006 in what would be and still is a pretty busy landscape and industry? Yeah, look, it certainly was um, and I was. I always sort of, it feels like such a long time ago but um, and, it, and it is and it's not if you know what I mean. You know, yeah. time's such a funny thing but... Um, I think I was about, I was 32 and I had been working most of my career for other agencies. I'd actually started in mainstream advertising um, and I had done the AFA uh, scholarship, which was the Australian Federation of Advertising uh, and got a placement at DDB. Uh, And from there worked for a couple of other agencies and I make a joke about it now, but, and, you know, it's funny, not funny, I guess, but I sort of felt, you know, I, I kind of went from the Harvey Weinstein world of advertising into the Devil Wears Prada world of, of PR um, and, and everything in the middle. Uh, and then when I was sort of spat out at the end of that, you know, at the ripe old age of 32, 33, I was kind of completely disillusioned with the industry. And I had applied for a floristry course. I had threatened to my dad, who's an amazing mentor and, you know, counsellor to me that I was going to join the circus, literally. Um, And I had really decided to leave the industry because, you know, there's a whole host of reasons, you know, but, you know, under the blanket umbrella of unsustainable bad business behaviour, you know, um, and and those two characters, you know, the Harvey Weinstein and the the Devil Wears Prada are alive and well and still alive and well in our industries. Um, it's a little less acceptable these days, but it's still there. Um, so, yeah, so I had left the industry and I was freelancing for other agencies, um, sort of being a pitch doctor and working on pitches for other companies. And I really just decided that I I actually loved what I did. You know, I, it was the environment that I didn't like um, and it was the behaviours that I didn't like. So... I guess I just made the decision uh, at the time to create the agency I wanted to work for um, that held all the values that were dear to me, um, that held the space for 360 humans, which is something we talk a lot about at MKT, which is this ability to bring your whole self to work. There's not a work sky and a home sky and a this sky and a gym sky and, a, you know, we're bringing our whole selves to work. Um, so I, you know, kind of stopped freelancing and then, I sort of opened the doors with a laptop and not much else and, you know, within a couple of months I already had a couple of clients and within sort of six months I'd put my first part-time employee on and that was kind of it and now I'm almost 14, it's 14 years in July. Which is yeah. huge and a milestone and I've got a lot of questions in and around the last 14 years. But before we go any further, if you were to join the circus, what was going to be your act? Oh, that's a good question. Well, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably the hula hoops. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the ropes. Yeah. Not the Maybe lion tamer? 
<laughs> no, maybe just the circus chef or nutritionist. Because <laughs> if I wasn't, you know, if I wasn't doing what I what I do for a living, I would definitely be doing something with food and nutrition and the importance of, you know, food as medicine. So maybe I'd be the circus chef. Would you say, speaking of that, would you say that MKT does have a bit of a trend? Um, I notice some of your clientele is very much holistic and, you know, nutrition or mindful or there's a lots of clients that are in that space. Um, is that because of your interest or is it just happened to just be a coincidence? No, it's 100% because of our interest. And I think that's one of the things that's really helped us stand the test of time and build a really sustainable business is that's that the decision to work with clients and brands that we're really passionate about in industries we care about. You know, I think a lot of our clients, you know, we're a certified B Corporation. Um, You know, I don't know how much that means to you or your listeners, but, you know, B Corp is to business as fair trade and organic is to coffee, right? So it's it's a type of business certification that you seek, um, you know, to attain. So you have to apply and you have to get certified. And fundamentally, it's businesses that believe people and the planet should not be sacrificed for profit. Um, And you, as a B Corporation, you sign um, a declaration of interdependence, which acknowledges that we are all interdependent, you know, like what something that I do today may affect you tomorrow. Um, So I think, you know, being true to my values and, you know, avoiding the circus, um, I had to, you know, work with clients that make made my heart sing, and and that's one of the things I think that's attracted a lot of um, amazing staff. And we don't use the word staff in our office; we use team members because I don't like the word staff. Um, it's attracted some amazing team members to MKT, which is that you know the idea that we can go after clients and collaborate with people that we're really passionate about. So working with clients that you're passionate about and that have similar interests obviously works for you guys. Have you always played by that over the last 14 years or have you sort of learnt through, not certainly not mistakes, but learnt through not doing projects or campaigns, for example, that you're really passionate about? Yeah, that's a really good question and I've kind of got a funny story attached to that and it's got a name in the office. It's called Chimpgate. Um, which is kind of after Watergate. And we had a client um, who were making cleaning products. Now, we they had a number of brands and, you know, this, this was a few years ago. We were a certified B Corporation, though, at the time and, and, you know, my passions haven't changed in 14 years. So some of the products we were working on for this client were just like sort of soap and um, toothpaste and bits and pieces. But they also had another very large brand, um, that was a, a more, I guess, intense cleaning product. I don't want to name it, but, um, you know, it's an everyday supermarket product that, that we all know, the brand. Uh, it's been in our life forever and it's not necessarily a great chemical to, to be tipping down our sinks and into our, into our environment. Anyway, nonetheless, we didn't work on that particular brand and I got a phone call at 11 o'clock one night from Peter in New York, you know, the animal um, activation uh, activist uh, organization and saying that our client had used three chimpanzees in a television commercial and that um, they were going to hold a protest in St Kilda Road outside their offices now I didn't know anything about the commercial because we didn't work on that that piece of business um, but then obviously the next day I had to delve into it and looked and long long and short of it you know I ended up around a table I ended up agreeing to help the client manage the situation. Uh, They had used three chimpanzees um, 
in, a, in this TBC to advertise this cleaning product and it had gone to air a couple of days before and um, both the Jane Goodall and the Peter uh, organisations were up in arms that they were real chimpanzees, which I completely agree with. Um, you know, and, and what happened, it was a really traumatic sort of thing for me personally because I ended up across the table from uh, the MD of, or, or the CEO of the Jane Goodall Foundation in Australia sitting next to my client having a meeting about uh, trying to justify our usage of these three chimpanzees in the TVC filmed in Thailand. Now, the, the, it was a very large ad agency as well who produced the television commercial who had also unbelievably signed a global agreement not to use um, wild animals in, in entertainment. So it was, it was ironic. But, you know, so... And, it, it was a really, it was a watershed moment for me because I kind of got out of that meeting and, and I, you know, I ended up having a stand-up with the client saying that you are irresponsible if you don't pull this commercial, you're going to send your business under. Um, not to mention the ethical dilemma that you've you've put all of us in. Um, and, they, look, they ended up agreeing uh, to pull the commercial, but I, I remember at the time I sort of sat in the car after the meeting, just so devastated because, you know, the woman from Jane Goodall had showed us a video of some what happens to chimps uh, when they're not, no longer able to be used for entertainment, you know, for, for movies or for, for television commercials. And they end up in roadside zoos in the US or terrible places in Asia. And it, it is beyond cruel, you know. And I just sat in the car and went, okay, I went through the client list. I'm going to fire every single client that doesn't meet my exacting standards. And... There was a few there. Um, you know, we had, at the time, you know, we had Tom's Shoes as a client, amazing, Patagonia, amazing, Lord of the Fries, beautiful, incredible vegan brand. Um, you know, we had some amazing clients, but we also had a couple of, you know, ordinary kind of FMCG clients that weren't, you know, kind of either good or bad, um, which I would have put this client in that basket originally, but, you know, they, they then went and, you know, kind of did the unspeakable in terms of, you know, this, this using these chimps, um, you know, and I sat there and went through the list and I, I cancelled half our client book in my head and when I'm going to fire them all. And I'm only going to work for B corporations. Um, so I, I'm going to get go through the list of all the certified B corporations in the world and obviously Tom's and Patagonia are both B Corps, Ben & Jerry's, Etsy's, Laureate, you know, Danone and Nestle, uh, Danone and Unilever, sorry, uh, are recent additions to the B Corp role, but there's some incredible brands. I can just, you know, build a company based on on working for B Corps. Um, and then actually a very close colleague and friend of mine who was the MD of Tom's at the time in Australia is a John Elliott, an, an amazing man, and he was the head of sustainability for Nike and he was used amazing roles in his career. But I rang him, you know, really, really upset about this situation, told him I was firing half our clients and... Um, he just wisely sat back and said, you know, we, you can't do that. And I'm like, but I can and this is going to be great. You know, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to be compromised. I'm going to fire them all and this is going to be like a beautiful, you know, amazing company that only, only works with purpose-driven businesses. And he said, don't you understand what you're doing by doing that? And I just didn't get it, you know, it was sort of um, dumb and dumber. Um, and he said, you know, by, by firing all those clients, you lose the ability to take them on a journey. You lose the ability to show them another way, to illuminate another path. Um, and he said, you've spent most of your life in the corporate world and you can bridge both. You know, you hold your own in the B Corp community and the purpose-driven community, but you can also walk into a corporate boardroom and, 
you know, and tell a story and people will listen. He said, if we lose you to the outside world and you just come into this kind of purpose-driven B Corp bubble, then we lose a really important recruitment stream into this idea of purpose-driven business. And just dawned on me at that point that he was 100% right, you know. So we are, whilst we work with a lot of B Corps and purpose-driven businesses, um, you know, we are really, really excited to show other clients and other businesses the new ways of work. And that is just, you know, it's not just about manufacturing and how you can, you know, reduce your footprint or use more sustainable manufacturing methods or, or, you know, materials. It is about how you treat your people. It's about how you procure services and other, you know, providers and, you know, every aspect of your business, you know, you can unearth a, a small change, you know, and I think that's where, you know, we've all become really, really passionate and we've had some amazing transitions where we've worked with clients to become B corporations or we've, you know, helped them develop a purpose element where they're actually, you know, giving back or contributing to society in some way. And so it was a very long-winded answer to your question, but, you know, we're not one-trick purpose ponies. Um, we do work with, with all sorts of clients, but we love nothing more than being able to share with our clients some of the amazing stories of, of purpose-driven businesses and, you know, and companies that have gone down the path of B Corp certification. The purpose of building MKT was, you know, to build a better environment with the work that you love and this 360-degree human approach. Um, plus, on top of this story that you've just mentioned, you can tell that your values have shaped, you know, the core of who you are and what you've created. But I can't help but to imagine people out there, especially employers going, that's great, she can do that. But how does she run a profitable business? And how does she run the culture? And how does she then stay with, you know, keep her core values at the center of what, you know, she and the whole team do? So how do you do it? How do you keep the balance where you still need to run a productive business but still do what you really want to do and what feels right? Yeah, it's a, it's a super question. And, and a lot of people say to me, you know, like we've won, um, you know, some recognition for our wellbeing program through uh, Leading Well Victoria, which is a collaboration between WorkSafe and Big Health. We won Employer of the Year in the Mumbrella ComsCon Awards um, in 2019 and, few other bits and pieces around our wellbeing. Well, actually, we've won Best for the World um, people the last four years every year uh, in the global B Corp community. Yeah, which means we're in the top 10% of all the certified B corporations in the world when it comes to people. Um, and, look, I think, you know, and this this comes down to this idea of, you know, the reconciliation of, of people, profit and the planet. And, you know, I, I believe with every inch of my body that, if you chase profit and profit alone or you have profit as primacy, then you are you will be compromised without question in other areas. And that then leads to the degradation of the one thing that you're chasing, which is profit. Um, and I think when you put people first, when you put ethics first, when you put the, consider the planet in the decisions that you make and the implications that everything that you do have and, and this idea of interdependence, I, you know, I believe the money follows. You know, we've run an incredibly successful business, um, but we spend a lot. I mean, I, I had a couple of years ago, um, you know, a bit of a, a knock at the door uh, from a large ad agency group who were looking to buy a PR firm and 
I had a meeting with the, the CEO who was down from Sydney and when I told him about our um, wellbeing program, well, he actually asked me, he said, I've heard a lot about your wellbeing program and, you know, tell me a bit more about this. And he was mid-sip of his coffee when I told him about Freedom Friday and he said, what does this Freedom Friday mean? And I said, oh, we finish at 12 o'clock. And he literally spat his coffee out. And Who said, works after yeah, 12 o'clock on a Friday anyway? Well, that's exactly my point, right? And, and he said, do you have any idea how much that costs your business? And I actually said to him, well, I do. And here's the dollar figure and gave him the dollar figure. And he goes, is that all? And I said, well, it is because I've taken into account the fact that my business partner, Jess, and I both don't work on Fridays because we've both got young kids. And so then I also take into account the fact that, you know, it's from 12 o'clock, really, I only allow till three o'clock because no one's brains are turned on after three o'clock on a Friday. Um, and, and, you know, and he was like, oh, I've never thought about it that way. And, you know, the idea of giving people a Friday afternoon off and, and the amazing goodwill and, um, loyalty that that you know encourages you know people our, our guys absolutely love it that they can leave and they can have a long weekend or they can take you know an afternoon to go and do something creative you know like recently um you know a couple of our team members all decided on a friday afternoon to go down to the ngv and you know i can't i think it was the cause exhibition and go and see the cause exhibition and so sometimes they'll go and do stuff together but sometimes they'll just go off on their own or they'll go and do an early gym class and you know so we've We've introduced also, you know, a flexible work program and, um, you know, we call it the flexible work program rather than the flexible work code or policy because it is, you know, it's a program and, and it's we co-created it. So we held a workshop um, with an amazing collaborator of ours, Dr Paige Williams. She's one of the fellows of the Faculty of Positive Psychology at Melbourne Uni um, and you know, she helped us craft this beautiful flexible work um way of being for us you know because every organization is different but what's the point in jess and i sitting down and crafting you know here's a flexible work now be flexible you know uh it was like well, what, what does flexibility mean for you you know and we've got people with young kids we've got people with no kids we've got people with really long commutes um you know we've got people with different interests and you know who, who you know like one of our girls is a um a bodybuilder you know and so she does you know a lot of workouts really early in the morning so for her to be able to come in a bit later was amazing you know so i think you know i'm kind of getting to the to answer your question but I think what I found is that this kind of behaviour uh, is contagious. So, you know, I jokingly, we have, I have a fantastic um, friend. He was the um, CMO of one of our biggest clients. It was a, a sportswear brand, big sportswear brand, we would all know, uh, or everyone would know. Um, and you know, he jokingly says that I passed him a glass of Kool-Aid and he had no idea what was in the glass and he drank it. And... <laughs> He ended up he ended up leaving, you know, and he openly talks about this story. He's just the most beautiful guy. But he he ended up leaving this big global um, sportswear label and going out and starting this most beautiful company. He he runs co-working spaces in local areas and, and regional areas and he's got a, an amazing consultant consultancy business. And he's a certified B Corporation. You know, and that's just one example. You know, when people see your success, they see how happy your team members are, you know, they see all the clients kind of, you know, it's like, it's almost like flies and, and moths to a light glow because it touches something deeper, you know, which um, is at the core of humanity. You know, th this this 
capitalist system, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not saying we should throw out the capitalist system. I think it just needs some serious reform. Um, you know, but it's not making us happy. And um, I think you, you brought up um, before the article that I wrote for our other business, the Ministry of Work, and in that I state, you know, very clearly we're fat, we're sick, we're sad, and, and then provide the evidence and the data that backs that up. And, you know, humans ha- are not doing well on the planet, I think it's safe to say, if you look around, you know, whether it's, whether it's the pandemic that we're in the middle of or the obesity epidemic um, or, you know, the, the high, we have the second highest use of antidepressants in the OECD. Our suicide rates are appalling on a global scale. You know, I mean, this is just Australia, but if you look at the whole planet, you know, and I, I think we really need to address what it is that we call work and what, you know, why are we here? Are we here to work or are we here to live? So, uh, you know, to, to kind of round out the question, I think, you know, we've worked really hard to create, you know, the workplace where we want to come to every day and there hasn't been a day in 14 years that I haven't wanted to go to work. You know, sure, we all have bad days and, you know, when you've got little kids it can be tough and, you know, but I've always known if I, you know, I come up the back stairs and, and walk into the office that I've got the most beautiful bunch of people who are so supportive and, you know, that I can burst into tears and there's no problems, you know, and anyone can, you know, should that should that be the need of the moment, um, you know. So I think, you know, that the, the profit and the success have followed and, and we give a lot back too, you know, and I think that that's also, you know, and it, it talks to the law of attraction, you know. I'm an old hippie and I, I love that like attracts like, you know. So I think, you know, when you put people first and, and consider the planet and the environment and everything that you do, well, then, um, you know, it comes back, you know, tenfold. I can't help but to imagine some people listening who would find this so foreign that they're just struggling to grapple this information. For example, that, you know, they might be working in in high rises in the city that is just so, like you mentioned before, you know, just old school, you could potentially argue. And I don't mean to be cynical at all, but I just am really interested. Does anybody in your office or um, I don't even know if you use office because team or you, let's say anyone in your team, does anybody ever not get complacent but take advantage of this because it becomes just their norm, I suppose? Um, again, good question. And um, look, I think a, cu- a couple of points. Um, a lot, Most organisations are working, as you've suggested, in, in, in this old school way, um, you know, with this mentality which pretty much says pay people as little as you can and work them as hard as you can. Uh, you know, and, and this is a hangover from the Industrial Revolution and it's part of this, you know, unsustainable um, attitude that we have of this constant striving, constant, you know, sort of desire for more, for more money, for more success, for more power. Um, and it hasn't it hasn't served us. And I think most people, if you really level with them, will agree with that. Um, and I think, you know, people have asked me over the years, you know, is what you do sustainable? Can you pick up MKT and all the values that you install and, and put them into the, you know, National Australia Bank, for example, or whoever, a very large corporate? I actually think you can. Uh, and I actually think that um, the need of the times and, you know, what, what's going on in our world will force us um, down that path because we've we've reached almost you know like a, a road in the fork sorry a fork in the road where what we're doing and the way we're working is completely unsustainable um, you know and, and then. 
do do any of our team members kind of take advantage of it? And look, I would say there's no one who has ever intentionally taken advantage of it, you know, but I, I often say to Jess, my business partner, when we talk about our wellbeing program and, you know, we change it every year, it's called an upgraded life and it's all about upgrading our team members both per- personally and professionally. Um, but I often say to Jess, or use the analogy of, of boiling a frog, you know, if you put the frog in, in tepid water and then you slowly turn the temperature up, the frog doesn't know. And then the frog dies. Well, we do the opposite of boiling frogs. You know, <laughs> our guys come out, our guys come out at, you know, of other agency environments and we, we joke, you know, we say that they come into our office with as, as broken birds into the nest and we need to bandage their wings and, you know, t- tuck them up in a little blanket. And we allow three months, especially for seniors. You know, we've had some pretty unbelievable stories that have come, you know, even even in, in recent times, you know, if senior people have come out of large agencies and the behaviour and the expectations, the crazy working hours and, the you know, but also the behaviours that the, that the agencies are prepared to put up with from clients, you know, and that's the other thing. Um, it's not just the internal behaviours because we're in a service industry, you know, we're, we're servicing clients. It's what you're prepared to put up with from clients that actually very much influences the agency culture. Um, so, look, no one's really taken advantage of it, but I do definitely think sometimes, especially with, you know, some of our younger ones who've come in as interns who've never worked in other large agencies, you know, and, and I have had, you they know... They would get the shock of their of life have, if they leave. <laughs> and, and then they didn't realise how good they had it, I would Yeah, imagine. yeah, and a couple... Yeah. yeah, and a couple of them have. And, you know, but there's, there's one gorgeous story. We have had a beautiful um, young girl work for us for nearly six years and she's gone off to work for a, a university and... You know, she was a really active participant in all of our wellbeing activities and, you know, she's really beautiful, smart, super healthy fit and just loved the whole ethos and, and loved our wellbeing program. And, you know, I saw she recently did a little Q&A for her uh, workplace and um, she sent it to us, you know, and she's actually taken, you know, some of the learnings and some of the things that we did at MKT into her new workplace um, and, you know, been sharing those with her new colleagues and, you know, nothing makes me happier. You know, I know that we're not going to keep every staff member forever um, as much as we have incredibly long tenures with our staff. You know, I think the last time I looked at it, the industry average is 1.9 years and ours is, you know, is around three years and ours also factors in interns that can only stay for six months anyway. Um, but, you know, most of my seniors have been with us for four or five years and, you know, even though that junior I mentioned, well, she wasn't a junior by the time she left, but, you know, she started as an intern and was with us for nearly five and a half years. I and mean, it's very, very unusual in our industry. Um, but the idea that, you know, that the, all these, you know, team members can go off and go out into the world with their wings patched up, um, you know, and, and share another way of working, you know, show people that there is another way. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, take a huge you know hit in terms of your bottom line and I think you know the other thing worth mentioning is you know Larry Fink I don't know if you've heard about the the Larry Fink letters you know that he he is the largest or he has the largest amount of money in the world under investment than any other person uh it's BlackRock is the company that he owns and runs so he's a very high profile investment banker in America and everybody kind of watches his every move and Last year, he wrote two open letters to the global business community saying pretty much that you have to start to step up 
and take responsibility for social and environmental problems. This is not, this cannot be left to government alone, uh, government NGOs, not-for-profits. You know, the government have had a good crack, but they haven't really done a great job. Um, you know, and, and I think we need to see step change where the purse is and the purse is held, you know, in big business. So, you know, if even at the top end of town, you know, in, in the biggest investment firm in the US, you're getting this sentiment, you know, I think you really have to start saying, you know, what are we doing as small businesses, as medium businesses, as large businesses to start embodying, embodying some of these values and start moving our way of being at work into a new paradigm. Building these, you know, internal and external, uh, the culture, I can imagine people listening or wanting or aspiring to, to create something similar, I'm sure, because who doesn't? It sounds brilliant. It sounds exciting. I want to come and work for you, Sky. But, but it, it also would take guts. And over the course of 14 years, it has surely it hasn't all been all, you know, rainbow, rainbows and perfect. Have you had hard moments, and not necessarily, you don't need to give examples, but just, you know, just express that, can you just share that it is normal to have ups and downs and it does take guts to, you know, to go against the norm? Yeah, and absolutely. We have had hard moments and, you know, we've had situations where we've had to make hard decisions, you know, about team members. I mean, we're not immune from everything else in the world. I mean, we're still a functioning organisation in the world, you know. So we've had situations where we've had, you know, we, well, I've had to fire someone, you know, and even in this, you know, beautiful bubble that we've created, um, we had some really bad behaviour. Um, and, you know, so we take the tough decision and, you know, we've come up with, you know, a really, you know, I guess a solid way of the way we approach difficult situations. And one of the things we have is um, we call them courageous conversations is where we will take somebody, you know, often and we'll have a courageous conversation say that behaviour is not okay. Um, we've also had clients that we've had to part company with, you know, one in particular was some very bad behaviour and, you know, I just called it and just you know these are hard conversations to have and he just said you know what do you mean you're firing us and I said yes I am our values are not aligned and you know I don't think he'd, he'd ever been fired by anyone in his life um but you know God felt good God it felt good to stand for something you know and and my, my tip around that was you know when I first started MKT one of the things that I knew for sure and I had seen other directors and, and business owners fall into the trap of was worrying about money right you know so I had nothing when I started MKT I had literally one month's wage and I, I didn't have you know a, a big investor or someone sitting behind me you know but what I knew very very clearly was that I had to build a reserve I had to work really hard to get some money in the bank so that I could not you know, I had I had a um, a position where I did not have to take every piece of work that came in the door, where I did not have to say yes to a client who was treating me poorly. You know, so I worked like a, a flat out like a lizard drinking, <laughs> to use a good Aussie expression, um, to build what I call my safety net. And I put that safety net in a term deposit and I can tell you to this day I've not touched it. Now, obviously, the safety net has had to get bigger because, you know, that was just me back then and now, you know, we had 18 mouths to feed until recently. We've had to, to, to put a few members off, which has been one of the hardest things. And, look, I mean, that's a really great example. You know, um, 
having to make positions redundant was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, and, and in the 14 years, we've never had to do it. You know, we, we've grown organically and, you know, just you know, at a really nice pace. Um, and, you know, this kind of COVID situation has meant you know that that we've ha- we've lost a lot of work. You know, we we were vulnerable. We had some hospitality clients, property, and a few clients that were just large corporates who had to cut budgets. You know, and I think, unfortunately, advertising and, and marketing spend is one of the first things to go. I mean, you kind of see that. You certainly saw that in the last GFC. But um, it is all about how you approach things, right? It's everything is about attitude, um, and you know. I guess, you know, the testament or the, of the strength of somebody's character is not how they behave in good times, it's how they behave in bad times. Um, you know, and Jess, my business partner, who's, you know, again, one of the most beautiful humans you'll ever meet, we've been together for 10 years and never had an argument, you know. And I know that it all sounds a bit la-la and I'm sure she, you know, th- there's times where we, we don't always agree um, but we, we sort of jokingly say we channel Audrey Hepburn and we <laughs> gracefully agree to disagree. Yeah. You know, and we'll find a middle ground, you know. But I think, you know, it is all about perspective. Um, you know, it's about, you know, treating others as you want to be treated. It's some of the really good old-fashioned values um, that, you know, if you can kind of use those and apply them to difficult situations, you know, I think is, you know, is what kind of holds you in really good stead. Well, it sounds like the hard work you've put in has certainly paid off, um, and especially through 2020, it is tough times. Um, but if anyone, you know, can come out the other side, mind you, we talk about the new norm at the other side of 2020, and I, I look at what you're already doing, and I imagine there'll be a lot of businesses aspiring to come out doing basically what you're doing already. Is there? We've got to wrap things up, but is there anything? at the end of 2020 coming out of COVID that you would change because I feel like you're already way ahead of the game. No, there isn't anything I would change. And, you know, that's why we've started our sister company, the Ministry of Work. And the Ministry of Work is a culture movement organisation. We were already doing quite a lot of internal communications for some of our clients. And, you know, we were sharing our wellbeing program and and some clients were using some of our wellbeing program in their own you know, internal teams. And so we've decided to, to, to branch off and set up this separate company and I have a separate business partner uh, in that and, and Jess and I work, you know, there's the three of us. Uh, and we've also got a couple of um, amazing collaborators. I mentioned before Dr Page from the Faculty of Positive Psychology and Dr Jamie Lee, who's another amazing collaborator from Health Quotient. Um, you know, th- there's not a lot I would change. I think, you know, some key learnings for me have been about, you know, I guess maybe we need to run leaner. You know, I think the businesses of the future will not necessarily be big behemoths. Not that we were anything, you know, we certainly weren't huge, but I guess we were at the larger, you know, certainly for a Melbourne agency, we're probably, you know, kind of the larger end of of middle. Um, You know, and in terms of, you know, for us, I think, definitely looking at workplace um, flexibility more. You know, we've seen everybody working from home. What does that mean when we, when we all open the doors again, you know? Will people want to work from home more? And, I mean, there's a lot of conjecture about whether or not people have actually been more efficient or not. Um, I would argue not. Um, certainly with children and ho- trying to homeschool, that has not been easy. Um, so I actually went into the office yesterday and... Um, I had no NBN issues and my daughter sat in our meditation room and did her school and was really well behaved and I was able to smash out work so I'm actually relishing the day that I get back into the office but I desperately miss all my beautiful team members. So, you know, for me, 
it's the whole, you know, pandemic and, and this lockdown situation has just really put more value on, you know, even more value on, on how much I cherish our team. Um, but I think organisations coming out of this will be forced to address culture, you know, in, in a really big way. And companies that have got, you know, rotten cultures, um, they're in danger of becoming irrelevant, I'm afraid, because, you know, all the reports, you know, the Deloitte Millennial Report, the Lohast Report, I mean, there are countless reports that just show, you know, gen, you know, the, the next generation of, of workers or team members um, will not work for organisations that do not have purpose, that do not have strong ethics uh, and do not put people first. And we're already seeing it, you know. I mean, we get I get emails all the time from people saying, hey, you're a B Corp, I want to work for a B Corp. Um, and that happens throughout the B Corp community. I mean, I know it's one thing. I sat on the board of B Lab for a couple of years and attracting and retaining talent was one of the biggest things that all the large B Corps talked about, you know. Everyone wants to work for Patagonia. <laughs> Everyone wants to work for Tom's. I mean, these are obviously very large global examples with beautiful stories, but there are so many incredible small B Corps that um, are amazing companies to work for. And these are the types of companies coming out of COVID um, that, that everyone wants to work for, you know, so. Absolutely. A yeah. couple of questions to wrap things up. The first one is, Sky, a book that you would uh, recommend. So I am currently reading, it's been on my shelf for a little while and it obviously wasn't the right time to read it until now, um, but it's called, um, It's her name's Anadea Judith, uh, it's called The Global Heart Awakens. Um, and her little, the little catch cry on the book is called Moving from the Love of Power to the Power of Love. And it is no more relevant than now. It is just really beautiful. It's quite, it's quite deep, but it also looks in, into the history of humans on the planet and how we've kind of got to where we are today. So it looks, you know, kind of from the, when, when we moved from kind of being nomads into, you know, agriculture and then the Industrial Revolution. So, you know, it's a bit of a history lesson. It's a, a spiritual book, but it's certainly a book for the times and I will throw one more book in there too um, which is I think absolutely everybody should read uh, it's David Hawkins it's called Letting Go and it is just a, an incredible you know it's it's full of how-tos um, and really actionable things that you can do around moving from this fear-based um, sort of society that we've lived in, in into a society of love and you know heart-centeredness and you know I think a lot of people kind of squirm in their seat when they hear the l word in a corporate environment but um, they're going to have to stop squirming times <laughs> <laughs> changing very brilliant thank you and a quote that um, that you might live by or one that just inspires you there's a heap and I, you know, there's a heap of amazing people that have inspired, you know, where I am today. And I, I jokingly always say I've spent more time in the self-help aisle than anyone I know. Um, and I'm sitting in my meditation room now and if I could do a spin around and show you my book collection, you'd probably, you know, I don't know, just get tired looking at it. Um, but look, one of my favourite quotes that really sort of talks to everything that we've spoken about today is is actually it's from anonymous, so I don't it doesn't say or I haven't been able to find out who said it, but um, it is uh, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Um, and I often come back to that because, you know, over the years, as, as I've outlined, you know, you, you do get tested and you do want to stand up, you want to stand for something, you know, I was explaining that to my daughter recently with some online learning issues she was having with some other kids setting up, you know, 
groups and messaging each other and kind of bad behaviour. And, you know, I just you have to stand up for something because, you know, if you're flimsy, you know, you're, you're in danger of falling for anything else that's out there, you know. You have to stand strong. And I think for me, you know, putting people first and, you know, running an ethical business and, and giving back um, has been the thing that I've stood for and, you know, it's got me where I am today. Thank you, Sky, for your time today and also all the best for MKT and uh, likely what's the next 14 years um, and what that will bring. So all the best. Thanks so much, Jenna.